Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, you're listening to the Guitar Nerds Podcast. The world's number one guitar podcast. Wherever you're listening to us, we hope you're enjoying our little foray into the world of guitars. And remember, if you want more, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, where you can enjoy an extra half an hour episode every week. Anyway, do enjoy this week's episode. Ha <laughs> ha! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Mark Packham. It's in the computer. And Matthew Knight. Hello there. Yes, that's right. Um, it's just the three of us uh, this week. No Jay Cross, but that's okay. Wasn't that the same as last week? Uh, was it three? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah, was it? No, Jay, Jay last week. Here no, oh, that's okay. when we uh, we had the incident with the pizza man he, trying oh, to deliver the we, pizzas to the wrong place. Probably about forty minutes across town. Unbelievable! Unbelievable. Yeah. How could yeah. Did you put the wrong address in? No, no, it was the right put, address. It he was just the right decided. To, he just decided to go to a completely different place and try and, and deliver the, them there. That was the second delivery man as well. The first pizza that didn't even turn up, and then the guy was like. Yeah, we, we couldn't find it. Got lost. How can you get lost in an age of sat nav? Like it really upset me because I, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't make sense of that situation. I don't and understand how that happens. Also, in a town that is like two miles across. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was and, completely in the wrong place. And Jay Cross lives like on the seafront. Like it's yeah. it's just one road. It's just yeah. there. Literally, from where he had to go, it was one road, and then take a right-hand turn, and he would have been at Jay's house. Anyway, yeah. anyway need, so, needless but, to say, that that particular pizza place almost became not our go-to pre-podcast pizza place off you, the back of that. You but could have had a good pun with needless to say. You could have put need into a pizza. I was thinking of trying to think of the actual pun. Needless. Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, it was it was good pizza, but was, that meant you know if we were thrown off last week, if last week seemed a different caliber of podcast, that's why it's because we had Did to you wait. Think it was I thought it was, no, I thought, I thought it was fine. We had to wait um, an hour and thirty minutes for, for a, a pizza, a pizza that yeah. should have taken fifteen minutes. I um, ordered something once from literally down the road, and they gave up halfway through delivering it. It took an hour and a half, and when I phoned them, I said like, "Where is it?" They went, "Oh, we just forgot." I'm like, Thanks, <laughs> and then and then it eventually turned up, and someone had eaten half the chips. So, oh my goodness! Needless to say, we never went there again. Could well, have walked there and picked it up in the time, but we were just not 
bothered. I think it might be raining. I uh, took a 40-minute train ride yesterday to buy a curry. <laughs> did you what go is, to uh, Did you go you? to the Raj? Uh, no, I did not go to the Raj. I went to a place called Straight Blue... It, shout out to Blue India in... Uh, <laughs> In Crawley, uh, it was it was good. It was you went um, to Crawley for a curry. <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> I was meeting up with my mate whose wedding is in a couple of weeks to talk about the uh, what I need to do as an usher. And he was like, "Oh no, really good. Uh, I could come to Brighton, but I've no, really good curry place in Crawley. Should we go there?" And I was like, "Yeah, fine." No one ever oh, wants I, to I, go I, to uh, Crawley. I actually thought you went. You meant you went to Crawley to get it, then went back to Brighton oh, no, to eat it. That'd be ridiculous. That'd be <laughs> anyway. Ridiculous, anyway, yeah. it is uh, it is fast approaching summer now which actually means for the first time in a long time there have been um lots of things released which is good because there's actually tons of stuff to 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 talk about in the <laughs> news section podcast. which is good yeah there's a, <laughs> there's actually a podcast but matt it's um it's that toman event again and you uh you headed along uh this this weekend just gone i did i got i got to hang out with all my friends all my internet friends the the best of the internet minus guitar nerds yeah um Joe's not allowed back to Germany. Joe's no, not allowed no back there's a slight to ban on uh, on me over there at the moment. He was too drunk. Um, yeah, so I got to hang out with Ryan. I shot a video with Ryan, um, which he sixty cycle chump, sixty cycle chump, um, because <laughs> <laughs> he he um, he basically was ribbing me the entire time because he was like, "Oh, welcome to Sixty Cycle Hum, the number one guitar based podcast." And uh, was like, there's pretty much no other podcast that exists. So, you know, we're the best one. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yep. And you Can, can't you know. say anything because you've got your boss hat on at yeah, that I point. Yeah, i got my boss hat on. My bigger, more important, actually, well, equally as important boss it's hat. It's the hat that's Thank filled you. with your wages. Uh, yeah, <laughs> my other hat is um, sort of rather ragged. Yeah. No, no pennies from that one. Um, no, nothing's been left in that cap. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I got to see Ryan and Colin from CS Guitars, Patrick Hunter, who does a Wicked Bass channel, um, Hunter, who does a YouTube channel called Agufish, um, and he's a really cool dude. And then who else was there? Jay Leonard J, who's like one of, he's got a really small YouTube channel, but he's literally one of the best guitar players I've seen. Yeah, he's a really so, super tasteful guitarist. Yeah, when just, I first saw his channel, I was like, that might be the most hipster man I've ever seen. And I almost didn't watch any of it just off of the back of that alone. But I mean, actually, Joe, he's you're a the very most hipster tasteful. man I've ever seen. I'm, so, <laughs> your, your, your experience I, of hipster is very, very slim because you still look, dress like, and hang out with the same people you did when you were 12. But, yeah, 100%. But the, the, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on a scale of hipster. He, he wears head, headbands. That's that's way more hipster, but he's actually a fantastic yeah, guitarist. Yeah, he is an amazing guitar player. Um, got to hang out with Pete Cottrell, um, who's also got an amazing YouTube channel. They were filming some cool um, videos with some uh, wireless kit, which was cool. And who else was there? Who else was there? Steve from Boston was there, formerly Formerly Pix- Pixie Licks. Yeah. Who's got the best voice for radio ever. Um, yeah. Yeah, he really got, does. Like, I did. The best voice. I could just listen to him talk just because he's got the best voice. I did an episode with him a couple of years ago. And yeah, he's just, uh, I can't do the Boston twang, but he's just got that proper sort of gravelly deep. He's yeah. like a, he's like what I want Santa Claus to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, the Mick and Dan from that pedal show were there. And just hang up with them. Spoke to Pete Thorne for a little bit. So, you know, it's just, it was good to just catch up with everyone and take a bunch of cool gear down and 
let people try a bunch of stuff and um, met some new people as well. So yeah, it was good. And the weather was insanely good for the two days that I was there. My other colleague was um, is still there now. He was there for the last two days. But when I was there, it was like 27 degrees. Um, and they had built this massive tent um, in the parking um, lot in front of the the store, which overlooked this really nice like mini lake. Um, so when it was quiet, we got to just sit in deck chairs and enjoy the sun for a little bit, which was good. It's all right for some, isn't it? Getting paid yeah, it for was. that, it having was. a great old time. I mean, I still had to get up at like I, I did get up at six a.m. both days I was there once to. Um, run with Mary Spender the second time to run with Mary Spender who then didn't show up um so <laughs> little competitive running rivalry going on there you had to get the dig in yeah yeah well we said I said seven she said 6 30 and then she was like no it's definitely 6 30 so I was like right I'll get up and get there for 6 30 got the 6 30 waited 15 minutes no show went for a run came back I was like where were you and she's like oh I decided to start at seven I was like So um, trying to in some way make some of the first 10 minutes of this podcast about guitars, could you talk about any of the gear that you saw? Uh, no, um, actually, I did hang out with you had a great curry. I had a great. Did, did I have a curry? I didn't have a curry. No, um, I did actually hang out with a chap called Ron Thorne, um, who knows Jay Cross. So that's a bad start. And um, he's a master builder at Fender. He's one of the newer master builders at Fender. Um, so I got he's to he's the fellow who did the Game of Thrones guitars, isn't he? Uh, yes, I think yeah, he is. Yeah. So he he's been at Fender for oh, how long did he say? I think he's been at Fender for like well over ten years. But he's known for doing all the inlay work. He's like the inlay master, um, and then he's sort of been promoted to um, a master builder. So they had some stuff. He, they had a guitar that he built there, which was a 64. This really nice, like, relic 64 Strat. Um, so it was cool to hang out with him. I spent a long time talking to a chap called Guillaume. Um, he was the engineer and president of Two Notes. Um, oh, really? Yeah, so I spent a lot of time talking to him about the Two Notes stuff. We were talking about the Cav M, because that's a really cool product. That's the newer version of the torpedo um cab that we were using for the guitar nerds videos you know, a couple of years ago and this is the much smaller version with the the digital screen for for ir loading for your pedal board basically um and we were talking with him and i forget his name but the other guy who works for rev so rev were there they bought the d20 so i got to try the d20 for a bit oh wicked um and that was a super cool amp single channel you know we spoke about it we on spoke the about it on the podcast do you remember mark i don't think you liked the chassis Oh yeah, it's the one that looked like a it's a black uh, box, kind of, a lunch box. It looks it looks wicked. It comes in a wicked packaging, and they do it in black or white. And I thought it looked I thought it looked really wicked. I think it looks like the obelisk from um, uh, two thousand one Space wow, Odyssey. Great, you've just described a perfect object. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was cool. Spoke to the new guy at Yamaha. So we were talking about some Yamaha guitars. They had some nice um, Rev Stars there. I'm uh, still really excited to see what happens with Ampeg now that they've been taken under the yeah the, the Yamaha fold. They're sort of it's been almost long enough now that there should be some sort of announcement. Uh, I don't know how long they're going to sit on that. Line six Ampeg. Oh. Oh. Put an insane mode on an Ampeg. That's what you need. <laughs> they, um, well, Matt, you laugh, but I'm pretty sure that when they did the um, the lowdown series, they did. It did have an insane. I think it had an insane series. And you say did Ampeg, it? 
they had, not only did they have the combos, but they did have a rack mountable head that looked a bit like an SVT4. I think it was called the yes, LD400, maybe? Well, they, um, it was a big... It, uh, big, like, was it, like um, maybe like two or three U... No, it's probably like a three, three or four U even, rack mountable, like silver fronted head that kind of had a bit of an ampeg vibe to it um cool. but yeah it was line six and it had like it. i think it was ld 400 for some I, reason, I can't but. remember what it was called um i do remember oh that there was a oh i can't remember there was a band that that used one a relatively big band and i was shocked that their bass player was still using one obviously this story only works if i can remember that band there you go a band at one point used that amplifier good to know <laughs> that's, uh, um that's... the just looking at the lowdowns i was trying to find a decent picture of the front panel um so you had four modes which or five modes which included synth um i I think these were like near the end of the life cycle by the time I started working in the shop. I don't think they could so, have been around much yeah, longer. It, it was weird because I mean I think base combos generally speaking are a bit of an a bit of an odd thing. I know plenty of companies still make them at a starter level, but it's still it's still a really weird thing. Those line six lowdowns though, they I, I remember that they did like a three hundred watt version, I think, which was there. Um, I think there was their loudest. I think there was a 150, a 300, and a 400, and then the 400 also came in the head version, the HD 400. Um, oh yeah, I'm looking at it now. Um, so you had amp models. Let's have a look here. You had uh, clean, rock, Brit, grind, and synth. Yeah, grind uh, was like kind of the insane mode of that uh, of that amp, and then yeah, the synth was like a what? yeah. A Why basic. was there a synth? mode as a as but why would you ever just want a synth i guess it's foot switchable i guess the whole thing's foot switchable yeah there was definitely foot switches available for it i can't remember what foot switches they i think it's probably the same foot switch as the other one. Oh, and there was an r and b mode um yes. for when you wanted to go between <laughs> r and b and grind um yeah weird weird smart effects that's what it was called oh and it had a compressor of um, course I'm guessing, you it, need I'm guessing it had the same synth sound as the FM4s. It's probably had the same synth engine. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't think it was even that uh, advanced. It was just it had a synth sound. Oh, right. the, the grind was based on the Sansamp PSA1 into an SVT with a clean bass direct signal mixed in. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure it was. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but it sounded just like it. Yeah, they had so clean was based on Eden Traveler. R and B was a sixty-eight flip top B fifteen. The rock was a seventy-four ampeg SVT. The Brit was a sixty-eight Marshall Super Bass. So there you go. Classic go out and get a second hand one. Don't worry, they were five hundred dollars new. It'll um, probably be about one pound now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not now they've talked about them on the podcast. No, Everyone's going to want one. Yeah. So my friend is um, at the moment. He's like about to move ha- or thinking about moving house and needs a bit more kind of space in his house. And um, he is looking to lease or like um let someone borrow his flex tone three combo and Classic. if i if i hadn't have just Classic. bought that um the katana i would have absolutely had the flex tone for a bit because the rated piece of equipment right there i mean the flex tone threes are not great the flex tone two is an amp that i've got fond memories of but the flex tone three i think sounds not fantastic but i would have uh, if i had the chance to borrow one for a bit i would have absolutely have taken him up on it 
for the longest time, uh, the Flexstone 3 was actually my uh, bass amp round my guitarist's house for when uh, when we went round there and just sort of sat in, you know, in in a room and, and practised. I just oh, went through his old Flexstone 3. Weren't they like the um, pod in that they had the just the tube preamp mode, which didn't have any kind of like guitar amp modelling on it? It was supposed to be like a kind of channel strip. So it was, yeah, supposed to, you could put in an acoustic or like a microphone or a bass or something and it would sound okay yeah I, I i'm not entirely sure what setting i used i tried to make it sound as clean as possible um <laughs> you know which was which is tricky but yeah it was uh it was an, an awful product yeah it's fine but i mean <laughs> yeah. you know, i was whatever i was plugging a bass into it anyway um so this weekend whilst uh whilst you were in germany matty i went up to london for portals festival a festival of er- experimental rock as it is uh as it's known at the tufnell dome which is lovely a wonderful sort of thousand cap ish venue but they have three stages because the tufnell dome also has the boston music rooms beneath it and then you've got aces and eights which is a bar across the road so you've got like a thousand cap a 500 cap and a little hundred cap and they put on bands all day across the weekend with all of those with such wonderful headliners as mccluskey who are always fantastic to see for a load of weird gear their new bass player who uh, is the front guy in st pierre's snake invasion plays <laughs> what um they're, they're a great band just check them out but he uh um he plays He's left-handed and he plays a right-handed P bass, you know, with the strings the wrong way round. But also, because he's doing a lot of chords, and I guess they're always roughly around the same key, for about half of the set, he um, puts tape over, like, under three of the strings, but over one of them to fret the string down at a particular point <laughs> on, <laughs> on the neck. Okay. How good is that? Is the... Why don't you just buy a bass capo? Well, because, mate, I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. But I thought it was a great idea. Oh, I was thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying enjoying that. But it was a wonderful uh, event for sort of, you know, weird... Oh, wait, it's a pink bass as well. It's, it's, it's white. It's, oh, it's, it's white. Just it's this a, photo made it look yeah, pink. Probably. That's a shame. But, um, I was going to be into them then for a second. Yeah, but... Yeah. but uh, so I was... Pe- preparing uh, to go up on the weekend. And I actually, I bumped into Mark Packham just after I'd finished my rehearsal because, of course, listener, as you'll know, I've been purchasing Music Masters. Uh, the, I got the Squire Music Master bass and the Fender uh, Music Master, uh, the 77, recently. So um, I was all, all ready for those. Took the 77 to uh, to rehearsal. You know, I got a, a nice custom set of Newtone strings on there, really th- heavy gauge strings so that I can get it down into drop C. Um, anyway, I'm playing at, at, at practice and uh, I'm, I'm just not getting enough volume off of my like low C. It's just sounds a bit compressed. And I know it's a guitar pickup in, in there and I'm like, well, I don't know. It just didn't sound very aggressive. And I'm sort of looking at the bridge and I was thinking, well, maybe I could, um, you know, maybe I could lower you've only got those two saddles so it's a bit of a balancing game but i was like maybe i can sort of lower the you know what would normally be the e string a little bit maybe make put it a bit closer to the pickup see if that helps in any way and i sort of uh what's weird is you need a flathead <laughs> oh god for, for, the, for that bridge but so i was like well i'll, I'll lower it a little bit uh got the screwdriver in there gave it a turn and the entire uh bridge collapsed and i realized that (laughs) it was just it was rusted sort of into that position but the the actual the the sort of the the screws were completely threaded as it were so there was a 
Yeah, so there was there was no way of adjusting it, and of course then it was slap up against the body. So I had, uh, uh, well, no, no bass, <laughs> and that was after about sort of twenty minutes of uh, rehearsal. So that was uh, that the, was fun. The joys Did of vintage notice? instruments. Uh, it's, yeah, exactly. That is the joys of vintage instruments. Fortunately, I always bring two basses to practice, so I was okay. But um, what was the know, other bass? Uh, my trusty um, jazz bass. My uh, I've got the the. Me- the Mexican uh, nitro finished sixties jazz oh, yeah. bass, classic. Just, just get a fan fretted seven string dingle, well, maybe, and then um, just you know. sell sell all of it and just buy a like almost new American precision, yeah. and then pocket yeah. the rest of the money because yeah. all you will ever need is a, a American precision from the last <sighs> ten years. Well, I, I really enjoyed recording on the sixty nine precision bass, but. You know, I have to say, as as my second experience now, sort of trying to gig Avenger, because of course the '69 didn't make it through a show um, before the nut broke, and the '77 uh, Music Master didn't make it through a practice before the bridge broke. So I think I've come to a t- to, to the you know the conclusion that whilst I really like vintage instruments, I also really like being able to play a whole gig. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> so and and you know I I, I played on the weekend. Um, and it was fantastic. I threw myself around. It's a really good show. Had loads of fun playing on my jazz basses. I brought you know both my jazzes and had a you know a, a couple of different tunings, so I have to switch between. And I was just like, oh, what am I doing at the moment? Why do I keep? Why am I on this music master kick? These jazz these jazz basses are great. So so there. So I think. I think I'm, I'm actually because Mark, you've been saying recently about you selling all your gear, keeping the katana, and having like the one guitar, having this minimal setup, and how good that was. I'm like, hmm, maybe I'll sell all my gear. Basically, what you've just said is that the latest Joe Branton fad is winding down, which is something we could have all <laughs> predicted about two weeks ago when you accidentally bought a Squire Music Master on eBay, which you definitely didn't need. Mm. That was like the beginning of the end. But it was also the beginning of the fad, so it was this. This one's been basically over before it even started. Oh, possibly. All I'm telling you is just get yourself an American-made precision bass and well, just. I've, I've ditch got two the precisions. Rest. I've got two precisions. I've got two jazzes. They're all they're fine. So I'll just keep those four, plus the Stonefield. Um, oh yeah, don't forget that fine. brand that you endorsed. Don't, don't forget about them. Yeah, the brand you endorsed that you said you'd never need to replace as your gigging bass. <laughs> uh, when was the last time you did a gig with that one, Joe? Uh, I don't know. When did I do that advert for Boss? Matt's probably best place to answer that <laughs> uh, one. Uh, two years, years ago. ago. Two November. years ago. No, wait. No, it's April. Oh, well, oh I thought you were talking about the DC2. Oh, right. No, I, I brought another different bass for the for that, didn't I? I brought the... Uh, I had the, the little Gibson short-scale hollow-body Les Paul bass. And are the guys Where at Stonefield still talking to you? I sold that. Well, I haven't spoken to them in a while. I'm sure if I messaged them, they would still talk to me. It's Get yourself just... a stinger and be done with it. Yeah, those stingers were Best fantastic. Stonefield stinger starts at the 12th fret. That's what you want. A six-string bass that starts at the 12th fret. That's a guitar, mate. Well, it's a, it's a bass. Sure. It. sure. Stinger. They're, sure. they're absolutely fantastic. But so, anyway, so, yeah, I'm talk, talking about um, American-made fenders and stuff. On this, uh-huh. uh, on the trip back from this curry the other night, I was with uh, another, uh, with someone else who, you know, he's just a one of my mates who's a guitar player, and um, he was talking about, you know, like kind of sorting out his collection and you know what he should do with it and stuff. And we got, to, he's got an American Strat from maybe 2009 or something, um, and we were kind of talking about it, and I was just saying like those guitars. 
And I think we've talked about this maybe on the podcast. I'm pretty sure you. Weeks. I know what you're going to say, and I'm sure last week you went off on yeah, a maybe. big I've tangent just, I've got about a real this. thing in my bonnet, like a bee in my bonnet at the moment about for, like for the most boring average. No, 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 no. Just period. like just that sort of guitar in general, like guitars that were made about sort of ten years ago. Right, American-made guitars that you can pick up for like no money now. Like I saw on the site on Reverb today, like something popped up um, a Gibson Les Paul uh, special, like the one that you've got, Matty. Yeah. In that one of the warm finishes, like he, Matt's got an SG special. SG. Oh, sorry, that's what I meant. SG special. Um, um, three hundred and fifty quid. Oh, and you, outrageous! Just outrageous. Compare that to what you could get if you spent three hundred and fifty quid new. Now, what would you get? You'd get like. Maybe an Epiphone G four hundred. Yeah, like how much are they? Maybe well, they're, they're maybe like two fifty. But I mean, even so, what's the next jump up? I guess it's the next Gibson model. Well, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Gibson have hurt themselves over the last few years by releasing a new range of guitars every year, especially when you know they they are willing to put together an American guitar and retail it for like six nine nine. You know, when they're willing to go that low, that of course means that. You know, give it five years, the second-hand market is going to be absolutely saturated as it is with all these like mid-tier Gibsons. But of course, because there are so many, yeah, you put three, three fifty, four hundred quid for an American mate for anything with Gibson on the headstock. I'd be happy with that. Well, totally. And you know, I've seen a couple of those um, LPJs come up on there as well, which were not particularly expensive at the time. What were they like? Six hundred quid, roughly. Six nine nine, I think. Six nine nine. You can get those for like. Under 400 quid. And it's an American-made Les Paul. Yeah, it's got the worn finish and it's got those cheaper plastic pickups in it. But, you know, you could buy some bare knuckles for, you know, 100-ish quid. Um, and you'd have a guitar that would just be absolutely amazing for, like, no money. I don't necessarily think the same thing is happening with Fender, though. It's happening to an extent. I mean, but if you think... I think those, like, second-hand, mid-2000s, American-made Strats, Tellys... P bases, jazz bases, they've they've always been they're like six fifty. Um, six fifty, seven hundred quid. That's yeah, kind of what they yeah. go for, second I mean, I'm, hand. I'm not, That's what I'm, they've gone for for the last like five, six years. But what I'm saying is, you know, compare that as in the value of like a, against a new one, you know, oh, great well. great, you know, it's brilliant to get a new guitar, but you know, those guitars are you know, American professionals are well up over a grand now. Well, I guess in- the, the reincarnation of, of Fender that we've seen over the last two years is kind of the first time we've seen a price hike, really. Um, in Fender, I wouldn't say that's particularly true because I think you know, prices on that stuff, you know, across the board, not just Fender, have been going up all the time. Um, but luckily, you know, the second hand prices have stayed fairly static you know i would say that you know maybe a few years ago when i was working in the shop an american strat would sell for maybe 550 that kind of money and you can pretty much if you get the right deal you could still get a kind of mid 2000s american strat for about 550 quid kind of makes me want to get a mid 2000s totally well this is this this conversation on the train home i was like oh, maybe I don't really need a strap, but I could just get a strap. And I had a look and there's like a couple of like, do you remember like the candy cola finish oh, ones? I really liked that. Yeah. That was a great finish. I mean, you did just pick the worst finish. No, but oh, they're How fine. is that the worst but finish? Again, this, you know, this comes back to when I bought my base. My base was incredibly cheap when I bought it because- Because no, the finish is probably the worst no colour one wanted, ever no, committed it's a to. great colour, but people <laughs> have bad taste and they don't like the sunset orange transparent. Um, but- <laughs> Um, I would, yeah, like now, if you pick up like a candy cola, you know, not a particularly popular colour, 
if I reckon if you negotiated with someone, you could get that for sub six hundred quid, and that is a lot of guitar for sub six hundred quid. I just, I just buy an Olympic white one. Sorry, I just have to. I'd have to go. I'd yeah, but they're always more money. That's the thing. Yeah. The Olympic white ones are always more money. People want yeah. like seven hundred and fifty quid for them. Speaking, I could probably sell my American original Strat and get uh, an old American standard from that time, and probably pocket the best part of four hundred quid. Uh, well, maybe not that much, but you could, you know, you could pocket a bit, definitely, at least a couple hundred quid. Mm. But yeah, I mean, there's there's bargains galore at the moment if you're looking at that stuff. You know, like I see, like, um, you know, Baja Telly's going for sub five hundred quid. I see, um, you know, American Telly's going for sub six hundred quid. I do um, like how since you've started working for Reverb, you you've become the absolute the authority on yeah. You but you're the authority on sort of uh, on prices on uh, on on the second hand market at the moment. Maybe we should have like a new section in in the podcast, which is like. Mark's deal of the week. Or how about this? The reverb.com deal of the week. <laughs> uh, no. Sure, um, I'll, send you, I'll send you over our rates card and maybe we'll uh, sure, sure. something out. I'm no, actually it's just, on Reverb's it, Fender American Standard Strat 1986 to 2000s yep. um, category. What and, are you finding? Uh, there's a picture of one that I can't actually see. I think it's just the gallery picture, but it's in that amazing hot rod red. Yeah, yeah. Good finish. Wait, That's what is hot great, rod red? What's it, hot rod red? It basically looks like a post box. Yes. Uh, so an it's English like... post box for people who listen in America is basically the same colour as a Ferrari? I would suggest it's like it Ferrari oh, red. No, it's not metallic. Red. Yeah, not, it's not, not metallic. It's not, so not it's metallic. Like, it's... What's the Gibson version of that colour? It's got a great cardinal red. Yeah, Is it like I, that? yes, I would say yeah. cardinal red. It's, it's got a white undercoat, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, it's That's a white. fiesta. It's a darker fiesta red. Oh, that sounds right up my street. So there's a band um, from the uh, punk scene um, who have actually just got back together called the Briefs. And uh, when we, when I played with them back in the day, the bass player had. A hot rod red maple neck P bass, and it was like this is such a good looking guitar. Yeah, that um, sounds cool. Yeah, it's a great color. They only did it for like maybe a year, something like that. Um, it was like a, they were limited edition the hot rod red ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I was saying, you know, I've, it's just because I'm around these kind of listings and these these guitars all day long. But yeah, I'm spotting some real kind of bargains at the moment, like in different price points and different uh, from different brands and stuff, and definitely. The Fender American stuff from ten to fifteen years ago is not like rising as as quickly as other stuff. So you can still pick up a really good bargain. Yeah. Deals to be deals to be had. Um, guys, should we do some news? Seeing as there's loads to do. Well, there's nothing in the mailbag, is there? There's nothing in the mailbag this week. No, I haven't been. I haven't been sort of heckling brands as much. Uh, you know, over over the last week or so. I'll tell you what, now's a good time if you've got a brand. Now is a great time before Summer Nam to get a product to us, and you'll get. Uh, extensive coverage on the podcast because people are not sending us stuff right now because they're holding it back for NAM. Um, but if you've got something that you want to, you know, get to us before NAM, uh, now would be the time to basically get some airtime. Absolutely. Here's the news. First up, um, uh, Matt Bellamy. Ah. <laughs> uh. I really hate him. You're not allowed to talk for the next five minutes, Joe. No, fine. Sorry. You're doing this one. Okay, so uh, big news this week from the uh, world of guitars. Matt Bellamy, frontman guitar player um, of Muse, has bought, uh, has become the majority shareholder uh, in Manson Guitar Works. So Manson is uh, Manson's uh, luthier based down in Exeter, I believe, uh, Devon, um, and they have been making Matt Bellamy's guitars 
what must be well i guess nearly 20 years when's that first muse yeah. album 99 did they make did they make guitars for him back then no not on the first album but, no, like, but i think he the, i'm pretty sure that he um because they're from that area that he went to Manson's as a kid. Yeah, that was like his, his stuff from Manson's. I think that was like his local guitar shop. Yeah, yeah, right. definitely, definitely. And then, um, yeah, so when Muse started taking off, he worked with um, the guys at Manson's to create, you know, his crazy guitars that had the chaos pad and the, you know, uh, touch pads and all that kind of stuff in. Um, so, yeah, he has basically bought the, uh, he's bought the company. He's become the majority shareholder. What I find interesting about this is, you know, Manson's has always had this great name as this real boutique custom shop where you know you can go and get anything made well yeah but not just that mansons have serviced sort of some you know some of the biggest players you know if you if you think you know that mikey demas recently got got his own really gorgeous signature model from there we've got like a dave grohl uh john paul jones has his signature 12 string bass john paul jones has his he has a normal uh bass as well uh just a, a normal it's not 12 string, it's an 8, the John Paul Jones, I think. Oh, is it? I thought it was a 12. Um, it, yeah, Either way. It's, it's, a, it's an 8. There's a picture of it on uh, yeah. Music yeah. Radio Too many right strings. now. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, what I think is exciting about this is, you know, it'll be interesting to see what his plans for it are because, you know, I kind of... If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Understand that the ethos behind a real small boutique custom shop workshop and you know if you're the so the previous owner was Hugh Manson um and you know if you're the luthier and the owner really probably his interest is in building cool little guitar you know cool guitars custom shop things weird projects that kind of thing um and I imagine you know they were getting enough business through the kind of Matt Bellamy link 
But obviously, in you know, in recent years, they've licensed out some of the designs to Court, um, who have been making the affordable versions of the Matt Bellamy guitar. Um, so uh, it seems like they've been toying with the idea of doing more. So it'd be really interesting for me to see if Matt Bellamy's going to come in and say, right, we're, you know, we're going to hook up with you know, the Court Factory and start doing a whole line of guitars with Manson on the headstock. Maybe Plus, we're going to do a range of British-built guitars that aren't just the signature models. Yeah, um, it, w- it would be great to see an expansion of them. I mean, they're, they're certainly, like, fantastic quality guitars. Well, um, definitely, definitely. And, you, you know, we we saw some of the, um, the Court models at... I forget which one, one of the guitar shows, and I was really impressed by the build quality and you know how they'd managed to translate some of the design cues from the Manson guitars down into into these court models. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's what's exciting for me. And you know, as much as I don't think anyone on the podcast is a, a particular fan of Muse, maybe Matty. Um, um, I like the first two records. Yeah, um, and you know, I know that uh, Joe, you've got particular beef with uh, Matt Bell- Bellamy himself, uh, but you know, I think you play up to that. That's your character. Um, just as a little bit of info here from the Muse wiki. Yeah, um, he owns fifty different Manson instruments wow. um wow. going back to 2001 right was the first one um, but i mean that's that's got to be pretty early in the in the old muse well i think that's, prob- well. that's probably just before origin of symmetry i think probably is that um, the second album that's the second album. Yeah, yeah 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 so um, um yeah that's the the exciting thing for me is you know what is the company going to do now is it going to transition from being a custom shop through to you know being someone that's a, a, a kind of real um British guitar brand, but not just making guitars in the UK. You know, something that, that like Chapman Guitars are doing, where they are, yeah. you know, they're now building some high-end stuff in the UK, but obviously they're building some really nice stuff out in Korea. They're so perfectly geared up to do something like that, though. It would be really exciting to see them kind of, you know, expand outside of that. Oh, I thought what was interesting wicked. as well is they've I've seen posts from Manson setting out, up um, a booth outside of the um, gigs, that they've been playing recently. So oh, wow. they've been selling, you know, high-end um, um, Matt Bellamy's and Mikey Demas guitars um, straight after the Muse show. So I'm sure a few high-end um, Matt Bellamy guitars go at the end of uh, every show. Oh, You've got to think, if they're playing in front of like 50,000 people, I'm sure one or two of those people has got enough disposable income to walk away with a guitar as the ultimate piece of merchandise from the end of a gig. Do you reckon it's like the uh, Gene Simmons thing where you can buy one of the <laughs> used on stage ones? I, I just think that's so genius. Well, yeah, I mean, Kiss yeah, fans are a good, crazy. That's a good marketing. I mean, for a yeah, start, Kiss they like Kiss. Yeah, so yeah, a problem. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, really excited to see where this goes and um, be interesting to see another kind of British guitar brand kind of entering the mainstream we're I mean, back into it. we're back on the guitar front which is good now yeah, we just need um what were they called maverick guitars to make a comeback that's the dream <laughs> the weird yeah. pointy things from the early 2000s oh yeah i guess we have had a few come back recently because what's um shergold yeah i was gonna say we got shergold back gordon obviously smith. gordon smith are back uh we chapman are going from strength to strength we need burns to really get their act together they're sort of uh they're falling away a little bit at the moment. Their website doesn't look like it's been updated since, well, to be honest, since you know people start stopped using paper and pen. But, uh, <laughs> That's how you get their website, just get it delivered. Yeah, <laughs> they really do need to sort it out because they, you know, obviously, Burns Guitars are as cool. I'm just on the uh, on the Manson um, like mod shop thing that they have on here. Do you know you can get? You know they do a. Uh, 
they do their Evo guitar with a Sustainiac pickup and a built-in fuzz factory. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, uh, didn't the, a lot of the Matt Bellamy guitars have a built-in fuzz factory, I think? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I thought the Bellamy ones had a built-in chaos pad. Well, I well, think no, they, they don't actually, They don't actually have like... Um, they don't actually have the chaos pad itself built in. What they do, what they have, is the touchpad, the right. XY touchpad, which then sends a MIDI out into the chaos pad off stage. Um, as far as I'm aware, and then they had a built-in fuzz factory because I think for a while, if I remember right, you you could buy the fuzz factory in like a guitar kit form, right. Really? To, to build into a guitar, yeah. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah, considering it's got like five controls on it, it's yeah. kind of ridiculous. But I would definitely want one. His new guitar, actually, I was just reading here that for this new run of tour, they've had a new MIDI system built into his guitars that controls like some sort of mega profit synth off stage now with like zero latency. <laughs> um, so, That's so ridiculous. You know, at least he's pushing the boundaries of what guitars do oh exactly you know the uh, expression all the gear um anyway moving on you say that none of these (laughs) things that he has done will be things that i would put past you doing in your own band like (laughs) i can absolutely see you being like oh boys yeah i've uh, i've just found this like this like boutique luthier they're going to build a bass for me for you know it's going to be my only gig in bass and it's got you know six strings and they're all doubled so it's actually a 12 string plus there's like a midi keyboard built in with a touchpad i'd be like yeah that sounds pretty spot on i I think um i think uh what's his name from muse has a bass almost exactly as you described i think that's what he plays he's got a status with a built-in keyboard yeah hasn't he got a double neck a double neck status with a a keyboard built in i don't think the double neck is the one with the keyboard built in but he has a lot of he has a lot of weird weird statuses i can see you owning all of these things either way fine fine yes it's uh it's it's application of the uh, uh, no, of, of no, the he, instrument, you know. I've just, than, I'm just sure look, I'll, I'll tell that to uh, multi-millionaire mega rock god <laughs> Matt Bellamy. I'll just I'll let him know that you've got some tips from him. When is he? When's he coming round to your bedsit so yeah. that you can give, school him on the uh, the ways that yeah, he should, sure, be, uh, sure. should be playing? Um, they do actually make so he has two double neck states of fretless and a fretted, and then one does have a touchpad with the digital guitar side. And then the bass side, so they make a double neck. But yeah, one is an in, a normal bass, and then one is a um, weird synth bass. Oh, Absolutely okay. ridiculous. Exactly. So good. Uh, so exactly good. what you need. Anyway, um, Joyo have uh, have uh, released uh, a Velcro free pedal board. Well, it's not actually being branded as Joyo. It's their uh, their sister company, Gitto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joyo. <laughs> Yeah, oh, so Gitto. Uh, so Gitto, <laughs> um, the unfortunately named Gitto, have um, yeah released their own uh, pedal pedal boards that uh, that don't have Velcro. Now we've seen um, this sort of thing. This isn't you know completely original because of course uh, is it a clam? They uh, they did it as as well, didn't they? Uh, remember yeah, yeah. got their their cinnamon drive through, and it comes all their pedals are built in. Are built with you know that the I mean uh, the, the clamps built in. It's believe, the same pedal board, basically. It is. It is. A, yeah. It's it is exactly pretty much. The, it's exactly the same. Pretty much the pretty much. the same the same idea. But um, but really cool for people who don't want to use Velcro. It's actually a great way of doing it. You just you have little connectors that allow you to sort of clamp in any pedal of any any size onto a board, and I they think, do it with a range of uh, of soft cases as well. I think the advantage for this because 
saying it's for people who don't want to use Velcro, that's a problem that doesn't exist. Yeah, I think. of course. Yeah. Um, but I think where there is a problem, which comes up quite a lot, is people who want to use mini pedals um, and they don't fit on things like pedal trains properly because of the spacing or that's you have to put them in a weird position. Not. So this allows you to mount a mini pedal better. Um, and then what's also nice is, as I always say, your foot is still the same size. So butting up a bunch of mini mini pedals together is pointless because you're going to step on it about three at once. Of course. And of this course that's what a guy to... from a pedal company who doesn't make mini pedals yeah, says. Um, no, but I actually agree. That's, but that the, what this does is it does actually uh, space out your pedals more, I guess. If you want to use a bunch of mini pedals, you can still have four or five and then leave enough space um, for you still to be able to step on them individually, um, but then not have to worry about them wobbling about. Because sometimes mini pills, they just wobble from side to side because they, they're just not stable enough. The yeah, other problem absolutely. I see this solving is if you've got the issue that Matt Knight's got where he wants to just change stuff around all the time, it means That's that you're true. not like constantly... Because what I found, if I change stuff on my pedal board, is if you put Velcro on there, eventually the glue from the Velcro to the back of the pedal wears off because the Velcro is like so strong. And if you're moving stuff around all the time, eventually that will just like come off. Whereas this, if you're moving stuff regularly, um, it's not too much of an issue. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 100%. I've actually, um, I mean, these, these. Oh, where are the, oh, I can't find the, the prices on them. I imagine that these are going to be super affordably priced, the uh, the uh, Gitto. Just trying to find uh, a price for boards. you right now. I've been doing, I, I said recently, I've been looking at a lot of like custom pedal boards like, like Rourke and uh, Pistola. Pardon? Uh, yeah, Pistola, as in a gun, you know, Pistola. Sure. And uh, Creation Boards, Boyce Box, Stage Tricks, V Boutique, A Soul Man, who we've spoken about before, Hell, yeah. Hellweg. Um, Trailer Trash? Clayton Trailer Trash, I looked at those. Um, yeah, the, like, a, like a, a, a ton of them, uh, a ton of sort of uh, different people doing those sorts of things at the moment that I've just been having the butchers out. I didn't... I, Honestly, until I got interested in in pedal boards like this, I didn't realise how many there are out there. And of course, there there are only subtle differences from brand to brand. Um, and and you know the bulk of them tend to be gorgeously sort of Tolex mounted or or like a, a lovely polished bit of wood. But there's a there are a ton of options out there. But my goodness, aren't they all expensive? Yeah, I mean, oh, we've spoke about it before, but I think one of the the good ones, you know, and I've still got is the Waji pedal boards. Yes, because yeah. they're tiered, they're relatively inexpensive. They've got good cable management underneath. Um, they're just tricky to get in the UK at the moment. That's the right. only problem. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think we spoke about it a, a a few months ago, maybe even longer, when we were talking about there was a time where there was basically one company, and that was. Um, Oh, based in America, and there was a guy who was doing like relict pedal boards and stuff like that as well. Um, and then they sort of basically just like disappeared, and like people were like now nah, just keep using pedal train. And now like the market's like totally exploding. Everyone's doing, yeah, doing yeah. something. Of course, and and to be honest, you know the the issue that pedal train are gonna come up against as as this part of the market seems to be expanding is their flight car cases aren't really fit for flight flying you know they're, they're not they're not good enough to survive um the sort of things that happen to uh flight cases full of really heavy pedals when they're being moved onto and off of a, a plane and being thrown around in the same manner that someone would lob a, a suitcase onto a cart the pedal train ones 
don't. Uh, well, certainly for me, either of the um, the couple of times I've had to fly boards, the pedal trains have cracked every, I, every time. I always thought the, 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 the case that came with the pedal train junior was pretty solid. I don't know if it's different to the case that comes with the Pro. Um, so the, the junior one is, yep, that one is right. And I think at that sort of size... Um, it's probably fine. But as soon as you start expanding onto the sort of the Novo 2432s, things like that, and yeah. they just have the same frame, but more of the very thin wood that they're using for the rest of it, and that, you know, that metal that metal case isn't getting any thicker, um, that it just, well, you know, just from experience, both times the pedal boards have cracked, where, you know, flight cases for other things do not, you know. So, uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I, it'll be. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if they can keep their market share in in a in a place where people there are so many pedalboard manufacturers now. The trick is that no pet no pedalboard manufacturers want to drop their prices, and so the, the, there's such a such a big difference between you know spending 150 quid on a pedal think, train and spending- I think what you have got to remember though is that pedal train the same with Boss and the same with a lot of other big brands is they're in like hundreds of dealers so in the, yeah, of the heat of a moment you can go into a store and buy a pedal train um but if you want something custom you obviously have to order that custom but there's a bunch of other great brands like pedal train like uh, that are doing stuff similar that's more readily available I'm really into the Warwick ones the rock boards because they come with those optional modules that you can buy. Oh yeah, just uh, when you when you talk about the rock boards, I just remember what they used to be like. The ones <laughs> yeah, in like the classic. big gig bags and stuff. They were just dreadful. Yeah, but um, no, the the more modern ones are, are really really nice. Yeah, um, I just remember a time when your only choices were if you got Boss pedals, you get a BCB sixty, and if you don't have Boss pedals, you get one of the Warwick gig boards, and they're yeah, absolutely dreadful. Yeah. Um, whereas now, you know, we're kind of uh, there's so many options for these things on on a budget level. You know, you know, there's all the things like the Diagos. Um, there's even yeah now these Joyo ones. Um, and uh, yeah, if you want to go and spend you know a grand or whatever on a pedal board, that option's available, which it wasn't really necessarily before. Uh, there's one thing I'm quite interested to find out, just actually for my own. Um personal knowledge is when the bcb60 was actually released because i want to know how many other pedal boards were potentially available <laughs> when the bcb60 came out it's still in production right it's still in production i mean we must i mean we must be making the bcb60 because before that was the bcb6 so i i i mean the picture on the website has got a dd6 on it and a GE20, which we haven't made for quite... And, and it's got, like, a TU12 needle tuner on it. Classic. <laughs> so I remember I remember when we were at school and um, my one of my mates had a band and he had, a, like, a bit of a pedal board and he had a couple of boss pedals and stuff. And there were literally no pedal boards that he could buy at that point, so he had to make his own and, like... Yeah, we would we were kind of looking magazines, and there weren't you just couldn't buy pedal boards in the way that you can now. Like even if you walk into you know a shop that's kind of as sort of mass appeal as somewhere like Gak, you know, a big kind of superstore, they'll have probably four or five different brands of pedal board. And then obviously, if you go online, you know, there's tons of boutique options. There's things that you can kind of design yourself, get spec whatever you want. But yeah, this is only. You know, twenty years ago, basically, yeah, yeah. and there was literally not a pedal board that he could buy. He had to buy it for the power supply. He had to go to Maplin's and buy one of those, like, you know, fifty quid. Um, I don't know what it was called. It was called like Rockman or something. Um, and it was like really noisy and rubbish, non-isolated power supply. And he had to basically bolt that to just a bit of wood. 
that we sort of found and then <laughs> bolt his pedals to that. Or I think he I, did actually Velcro them. But like, it's amazing how much that has changed. I, I reckon, I wonder how many, like, you know, listeners, I wonder how many of us actually built our own boards, you know, if, if you I'm, go back to it and... I'm sure I've told years. this story before, but way back when I first got into guitar playing, there was a forum called Guitar Geek. Do you remember that forum? Yeah, I do not. And um, I don't think it exists anymore, but they did those wicked like rig pictures that were like cartoons. Yeah, they're, 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 they're still around. Are That's they still, definitely are they still, still around. around? Yeah, yeah. Because you see less of that, and I actually think that, that was always quite cool. I'm surprised no one ever, ever built that into an app that you could actually build your own. Um, and I actually built my own pedal board, and then I put a photo bucket album and description together and put it on that forum. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I haven't checked it for like 10 years, but I think after like two or three years, it had been viewed and downloaded like 50,000 times or something ridiculous. <laughs> what was on that board, Matt? Can you remember? Uh, I've got a picture of it somewhere. Um, I had a Crybaby, Standard. an M- MD2 Mega Distortion, yes, uh, a CH1, I think. Um, what else do I have? I think it might might have been when I had my Line Six FM4. Maybe I need to find that picture somewhere on my computer, on my hard drive. I need to get out. I've got pretty much every pedal board I've ever built. Oh, in terms we need of like to see a combination. That. I'm, I've just trying to. I've, what I'm trying to do is dig out every rig picture I've got um, and load it onto the Facebook page because I think that would be quite definitely. Interesting. Yeah, make it make an album in the Facebook group. I would actually love to see that. As much as I kind of rip you for being like well nerdy about this stuff, I would actually really, really like to see that. And um, I'll also find out when the um, BCB60 came out. <laughs> it was first listed on Amazon. Ah, here we go. Two thousand and three. Okay. Yeah, um, oh my goodness. So 2003. Now, so so before what, that what, was we, the BCB6 before that, which I, had, had been at least 10 years. So I'm, I'm guessing probably like 1993. Yeah. Um, Outrageous. Yeah, I think my, when my mate built his, he didn't buy the BCB6 because he had like a couple of like Russian electroharmonics pedals as well as his boss stuff. And obviously they didn't really fit on there. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's why he like built his out of a, a plank that he found. So my uh, my my first pedal board I made when I was uh, when I was working at a uh, at a DIY center um, and I I built myself one out of plywood. Uh, got a couple of handles, uh, you know, from like the like the cupboard handle bit to be on either side of it. But I also built in um, a clock. So I what I made it yeah so I made this a box like a it was a hollow it was a thin hollow box so it wasn't just a piece of wood I made it a hollow box so that I could have the clock underneath the first layer so it's just a screen showing yeah it was it was so that you know I, I was thinking it's so I know how much longer I've got of my set that, that's right well, now you can actually buy an actual pedal that does that for you so yeah, you can <laughs> you can. But yeah, it was. Uh, that, I thought that would be something that I would need, you know. Of course, um, when you were doing eight Blink One Eight Two covers in a set, <laughs> there was a, there's a chance that you might overrun. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, BCB Six came out in the late 1980s. Wow, there what we was go. around then? Pedal Train. I guess Pedal Train was 1990. I want to say no. I'm thinking of Voodoo Labs. I think Voodoo Labs was 1994. I reckon Pedal Train's probably got to be early 2000s, right? Yeah. Definitely. Mm. The history of pedal boards in two minutes. 
that's yeah, what we need. That's, the next that's what we need from you. That's the next video. Great, wonderful. I'm sure it sounds really, really interesting. Anyway, Matt, um, talk to me about, about Morgan amps. You, you don't you still own a Morgan amp? I do. Still my favourite amp. Ah. I absolutely love it. Well, it won't be for much longer because they've made a new one. Yes, the Dual Twenty. So this is actually a. A combination of two circuits they already make, the AC20 and the Abbey, uh, which are two takes on um, Fox amps. So what was really cool with Joe Morgan when he actually got into building amps, uh, he basically got a bunch of credit cards and bought loads of vintage amps, took them apart, learned how they were built, um, wrote down how the circuits were built, Put the amps back together, sold them, paid off his credit cards, and did that for like years to kind of like get loads <laughs> of different amps to get loads of different ideas about how all these vintage uh, Foxes, Marshalls, and Fenders were, were all built. So you've basically got a dual channel amp that you can actually run an A or a B or a Y. So you can actually run both channels at once, which is really cool. Um, so they're EL84, so you get that kind of really nice, like, chimey top end, but you can really kind of drive it if you want to. And they've both got a switchable additional tube, which is the EF86. And I think this was one of the tubes that was built into some of the earlier Voxes. Um, you've got a top boost channel, so you can add extra gain, standard bass and treble controls that you'd expect on a, like, Vox-style amplifier. Um, but you can run it down at a quarter of a watt, or you can run it at 20 watts which is quite nice. So if you really want to drive it at low volumes for recording, you can. Well, 20 watts gives you a little bit more headroom, but you can still crank it for a little bit of kind of top-end breakup without being super loud. It's not like 50 or 100 watts. Um, so, yeah, if you're after that kind of chimey sort of Vox thing, this is absolutely perfect, basically. Um, I like that it's so specific. It's not like, yeah, we've done, you know, like the boogie thing of like, yeah, we've done a Vox and a Marshall or, you know, a Vox and a Fender. It was yeah. two very specific Vox amplifiers. Yeah, so basically channel one is just volume. Channel two is volume, treble and bass. And then you've got an overall power control, which is like a sweepable control, um, which basically, I'm assuming it does something like sags the, the power to, to the valves, which is why you can variable, um, you can vary the control. And then you've got the overall cut control for tone, which is like that tone control that sits after the um, the power amp, basically. So yeah, I think this is, this is really good, but this is where... Um, it would be something that's a fairly good pedal platform, especially if you use drive pedals in front, because you can get the headroom if you want. But if you're doing something more simple, uh, or you're doing that kind of Brian May, you just want to boost it with a treble booster, you can, because your power level allows you to soak that power down and then crank the um, the output. So, yeah, definitely if you want a Vox, or a more boutique Vox, should I say, this is definitely a choice how, worth going How for. much do Morgan amps cost? They're really expensive, right? They're not actually that expensive. So I think my my head so i custom ordered mine um so it's a pr12 which is basically like princeton comes in at about 18 watts with a reverb control um so it's volume bass treble and then it's got reverb mix and then it's got how much dwell time there is, so how much like splashiness you get and i think retail that was like 12.99 right okay so how much actually, is how much is actually, this one going to be that that is actually okay that's like that's kind of in line, I guess, with sort of I think, much more major brands. I think this will probably be... They're not actually listing a price on the website, but to give you an idea, 
Let's see if we can find something similar. So the AC20, um, which is one half of this circuit, is 1299. So I think for something like that, you're probably going to be looking at like 1999. Which I would say is probably about right. Oh, it's, it's a chunk of money, but yeah, you, you're right. You're right. It's, it's, you know, I guess that's that's how much things cost. Now. They're very, um, they're very specific, though, aren't they? It's not like you're going in to just buy, you know, a Marshall head or whatever, or you know, um, a Vox amp. You know, this they're very. Uh, you've got to be a particular person to be buying, you know, a Morgan with this particular spec. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I just think it's um, if you want that sort of. I think it's nice to have that two-channel sort of voxiness about it, um, which is something you don't always necessarily get with a normal vox unless you, like, you know, jack the the inputs. Um, So I think it's nice to be able to blend both channels at once as well. Um, I think that's quite a cool little feature. So, yeah, I think it is fairly specific, but I think probably get a little bit more versatility out of it than a normal vox just because of the extra tone switches you've got as well. Yeah, cracking, cracking amp. Yes. Anyway, that's uh, that is about all the time that we've got on the uh, regular episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. We said we had loads of news, and then we got through about two news. Two yeah, we did. We we, did. Yeah, um, I, we absolutely have to continue the news on the Patreon because I've just okay. seen the names of the new Ernie Ball Slinky Strings, yes. and I absolutely want to talk about them. The gauges Fine. are ridiculous. Okay. Um, yes. So yes, I want to make are. that. Uh, the priority for the Patreon That's the episode. Priority. Okay, fine. Well, we're going to continue over there. We're from as little as $1 a month. You can support the podcast. $1 a month gets you the regular episode ad-free and early. $5 a month gets you the Patreon special where we're going to be talking all about uh, Ernie Bull string gauges and uh, loads of other things as well. And $10 a month makes you an executive producer and gets your name read out in a single breath by me. <clears throat> Ready? Yep. Jim Welter, Keith Adams, Steve Ferguson, Eric Fyle, Christopher Franklin, Andy Joyce, John Anglin, Adam Boyce, Chris, Jake Cutmore, Robert Johnson's Rob Grohl, Scott Hamilton, Tucker Hamilton, Ernie Cooper, Ross Edwards, Nate Nagel, Stephen Hans, Rob Grant, Matt Roberts, Dave Lee, and me James Baker, Juan Correa, Darren Sermon, Blake Wyland, Andrew Goody, Jamie Kemp, Jake Gray, Matt Bellamy, Martin Cliff, Scott Kennedy, Kevin Rosa, Christopher Lozer, Hans Hans, Scott Tain, Robin Smith, Derek Rich, Chris Connors, Rob Nordwick, Duncan Watson, Ed Bailey, Steve Merkel, DJ Marcos, Michael McBray, Carlos Spencer, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Blair Tom, Scott O'Brien, Laurie Amstis, Paul Corrigan, Will Clare, Bill Gravit, Will Thompson, Adrian Day, Ken Sayers, Matthew King, Scott Kane, Sean O'Bone, Chris O'Bone, Trappinson. Well, that was very close. Yeah, it was close. Was there a new person added? Uh, there were some new new people added, but um, but I, I also doubled a name up that I didn't think I'd quite. I I gave Christopher Loser the second go because I sort of went. Yes. I, I didn't feel he was getting his money's worth. Um. So uh. So you know. I, uh, I, I absolutely I cannot wait to talk about mammoth slinkies. Yes. 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 They are. They do seem pretty weird. It's going to um, be good. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna continue over there. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see you next week for more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Bye. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum. Oh wait, am I supposed to say all those things? Yes, you Did are. I, I didn't. Say, don't worry oh, about it. Cut it no, off now. We're done. Uh, oh, okay. Imagine 
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.